This podcast is brought to you by MVR Painting. MVR Painting is a Newcastle-based company with a passion for painting for well and truly over 10 years. They are a small crew making a big difference. If you want the brush with the best, make sure to contact MVR Painting. You can find their pages on Facebook or Instagram under MVR Painting or email them at mark at mvrpainting.com.au. Cheers, peeps. Let's get ready to rumble. Today is your day. Allow me to introduce myself. Top deck. Top deck. Top deck. The top deck podcast. Now leave your brain stimulated. Ooh, my favourite time of week. How are you, Joshy? Come on. I'm good, man. How are you? Good, brother. How's your day been? All right. Ah, yeah, busy, busy day at work, but um, you know. Yeah, nice. It uh, sort of went slow too because, you know, when you're excited about doing something in the afternoon, it tends to just drag on and yeah. drag on. So, But we're I, here. I can relate. I finished at one, got everything we needed to set it up. and um, Got the biscuits. Got the biscuits. Got the um, diffuser going. and um, Mixed bag of set, lollies. Setting set set the mood. Yeah, no, it's nice. I'm man. nervous, nice. excited and, um, you know, really pumped for this one. Um, our first guest on and... Um, yeah, I'd like to introduce Rick Prosser. Um, you're a born and bred Newcastle boy? Uh, no, the question. Born and bred. Love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereabouts? Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up at the top of Blackbutt, um, Grandview Road, and did all my schooling up there at Newcastle. Uh, what was it? Uh, near Lampton Heights Infants and near Lampton Primary and Lampton High. Yeah. yeah, so around here. Love the it. golden suburbs. <laughs> Up on the hill. <laughs> yeah, and, no, that's probably true, actually. Yeah, nice. And a little that's bit true. of growing up in Caro, you were just saying before we, we went live. <laughs> yeah, my parents um, owned a um, takeaway sandwich bar in Caro, and so I was probably about five or six up at 5am, uh, dragged over here to butter the bread, you know, child labour, slave labour. <laughs> Is that where the work ethic come into it from now? Uh, possibly, actually. It's a good question, Mark, um, because my parents are hard workers. And thankfully, I mean, I, 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 I'm thankful my parents are still together after many, many years now. And so I don't come from the brokenness that many do. And they work damn hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I think you're probably right. I saw it modelled and, uh, and we inherit some of those sort of traits. So... Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. I haven't thought about that, actually. I appreciate that. That's While we're on the topic, tell us a little about your upbringing and, and how you got to where you are now. Well, up on the hill, as Josh said. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, a uh, great family, um, uh, youngest of three. Um, lost my eldest brother when uh, I was about oh, 19 uh, through an accident. Um, Probably like most teenagers, um, you know, I love surfing. So, you know, it's like, do I need to get a job? Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, year 10, I left school. Actually, I made the decision to leave school in year six. All right, my oldest brother, I heard that there was two options when you can leave school, <laughs> year 10 or year 12. <laughs> and so I thought right there and then I knew I'm leaving as soon as I can. I didn't like school. I was terrible at school. Uh, I wasn't shocking for the teachers, although my math teacher might argue that, uh, and my science teacher definitely would. Uh, but I just didn't enjoy school. It wasn't me uh, at all. And so I made that decision real crystal clear, actually. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm out of here at, in year six. And so um, 
uh, at that time, my parents made a dis- made, they said to me this. They said, well, you're not going on the beach through the week and you're not going on the dull. <laughs> and Left so, to no options. <laughs> there was no options. And, look, I could have made a choice to go and stuff you, you know, yep. but I, I made a choice to go, yeah, okay, no worries. What did I know? I was a year 10 punk. Yeah. But all, all you knew was that work life, really, you know, from working in that shop when you were five and, and from that environment you were in. So, Well, exactly. And, and Dad was through probably a midlife crisis. He was, he's a, um, a, a marine draftsman by trade, had his own business and then sold that and, and bought a bread run. So throughout year 10, uh, I was up at 3 a.m. running bread around the streets Monday, Wednesday and Friday and then going to school. And so I love that. And so as soon as I left school, it's like, well, this is what you're doing. <laughs> I'll never forget one day uh, we, we finished the bread run and uh, we're driving somewhere and it's not the way home. I said, where are we going, Dad? He said, we're going to TAFE. I said, what for? <laughs> well, you're going to sign up for a TAFE course. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. So where was the bread run? Where did you start and finish? Uh, well, the um, uh, it was around Ellamore Vale, Walls End, around yeah. that area. Yeah, yeah I remember so once I, streets. I hitchhiked a uh, ride home on a, on a bread run once from um, Maitland, yeah, up at three <laughs> in the morning and just to get back to um, Belmont. Like it was through um, like family friends, yeah, and just helped him out on the run just to get back home. Yeah. <laughs> No, you just hitched a ride, man. I don't know if you're helping him out. Yeah, it didn't really help too much, no. <laughs> you just so, hitched a ride. Probably had a loaf of bread on the, on the way through. Definitely. The smell of it. Oh, <laughs> It was good. good. Oh, beautiful. I loved it, actually. Mm. I, I was fit as, and uh, I really loved it. But he was driving me to TAFE. He says, you got to sign up for a course. I said, oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, and then he just asked this question, what do you like doing? I said, I don't know. I mean, who knows what they want to do in year 10? You're right. That's true. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. I definitely didn't want to be a painter, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, big shout out to MVR Painting. Rush for the best. I mean, gosh, the step up. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think they've done your, done your cafe, yeah? Uh, they have actually. Did a brilliant job. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the good crew. Nice. Good crew, that one. So what did you end up doing at TAFE? So, Dad, it says, well, what do you love doing? I said, I don't know. Well, anyway, I'd, I'd done a bit of cooking at home. All right. He says, well, you like cooking? I said, well, yeah, I don't mind that, actually. I said, okay. And so I ended up applying for the pastry cook. uh, I did a pre-apprenticeship in pastry cooking. It's interesting, one story, I did this cake at home, and um, it was supposed to be a teaspoon of baking powder. I think I put a tablespoon in. The thing blew up in the oven. (laughs) Literally blew up. There's black stuff everywhere. It's like... uh, So did you pass that course? I did. Actually, I excelled. (laughs) Oh, I no, I did actually. It's because a, a pre-apprenticeship is about getting your hands on things, yep. all right? And that's what an apprenticeship is. And I topped the class actually, well, well one and two. Uh, it's because I was doing something with my hands, yeah. you know, it was something practical out working. I was never academic in, in those sort of things. But uh, when I got my hands, I was like, oh, I love this. Once so, again, I think that comes back from... Your family system, and when you did get yeah. to work that young and being a hands-on person when you were young, I think that really helps you. Well, yeah. it's helped me develop, and I, I guess in your you'd be a good be, painter, mate. <laughs> yeah, I go all right. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what about after that? Did you stick with pastry chef or? Yeah, look, I um, I worked. Uh, I ended up getting a, um, a a few starts. I worked uh, for Woolworths. So I was pushing trolleys doing all that sort of stuff and um, I ended up getting a pre-apprenticeship and well they had a space in a bakery so I just went through all that journey 
And, and I quickly learnt actually um, to advance in anything. You've just got to, if you're doing the same thing, you've just got to perform a little bit better than the person next to you. Yep. <laughs> and so I, I was in my third year, I was managing the bakery, relief managing and, and different things. So as soon as I come out of that, it was interesting, um, my overseer um, of the group of bakeries, he asked this question, he says, what do you want to do in the future? No and idea. I was like, I think I was 18 or 19. I said, mate, I don't know. And and through that period, I mean, I was a rat bag and, you know, <laughs> doing different things, as, as young people were and binge drinking weekends, all that sort of stuff. But I'd had an encounter with the Lord and God came into my life in a powerful way. I said, I don't know what I want to do, but I know what I don't want to do. He says, what's that? And I pointed my finger to an old tradesman down in the bakery. He was about 60 I said, I don't want to be doing that at that age because <laughs> mm. hard work, yeah, you know. Definitely. And I wasn't adverse to hard work. I just knew that was more for me <laughs> and because uh, I loved the trade. I was in it for 12 years, but I quickly went into management and then area management um, and I learned a lot from a lot of people I worked under. It was magnificent. Mm. I loved it. Yeah, so I loved it actually. I think that's the key message from a lot of people. <laughs> You've got to love what you do. Oh, most definitely. 100%. I agree. If you love what you do, you'll be energised by it. And I think that's a really important thing. I, I laid off many people in the bakery world by asking a simple question, do you love what you do? Yeah. And they would question, no, not really. I said, this is the majority part of your life. Mm-hmm. If you don't love it, find something different. <laughs> well, I follow a guy named Isaac John and he does a lot of podcasts and stuff and right. he, he says it's the first 10 seconds when you wake up in the morning if you're excited to get up yeah. and then you're doing what you love to do. Yeah. And I feel seeing you and your energetic and ha- and what you do for the community and stuff, I can see you're li- living what you're meant to be doing. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a common saying, living the dream. Mm. Uh, one of my best mates uh, says that, uh, he says, passion always wins. One of his catch cries, passion always wins, Rick. Passion always <laughs> wins. He speaks in schools and seminars around, the, around Australia and the nations. And I think it's true in saying that in everything there's stuff that you don't like. Yeah, of course. Um, but that's ev- only the things that challenge you, right? When something challenges yeah. you, you don't like it, you're like, huh. But yeah. if you've got that passion for it. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, Josh. I, I think that's critical, actually, because in, in, it, it's a utopian thought that everything you do energises you. Mm. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't want to pick up the dog shit in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't have a dog, eh? <laughs> I don't want to do it. But I love the dog. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? So with some things you get other things. (laughs) Good example. Sometimes there's some stench in your world and you've got to push past the stench, pick up the shit and get rid of it. It's because you love it. Yep, exactly right. Because you love the dog. So how long did you stay in that industry Sorry, for? Is that, is that, uh, no, I love no, it. That was I, perfect. I do lead a church too. I probably shouldn't use that language. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was beautiful. You're being your authentic self. I like it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so how long did you stay in um, in that job role for? Like, what, Or did you move on to something else? Or? Yeah, no, I loved it. I worked for uh, one company, Woolworths, for 12 years yeah. and um, managed bakeries, uh, opened bakeries, did area management. Loved it. Loved it, absolutely loved it actually and learned a lot through it. So 12 years, but I did have a bit of an itch in that. I never stayed in the one place longer than three. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I sort of seen 
I read up a few things on you, and um, oh, okay. uh, no, nah, all, all, nah, all good. <laughs> and I did see a theme of, you know, you were just excelling after excelling after right. a few years, and like moving two, forward. Yeah, two thousand and four, you established uh, Rush Youth yeah. um, Mentoring, yep. was it? Yeah. So how did you come about that? Yeah, I was youth pastor in a, in a, in a church. I'd left um, the, the the career of uh, management stuff and uh, did away with that. I was on a good week at the end and left that. And I felt to I felt called. Mm. Um, and it, you know, different people have different interpretations of that. I actually went to Bible college. I, I gave away about I think back then, 20, 20 plus years ago, it was a ninety k salary company car, mobiles, and all that sort of stuff. You'd be happy with that now. Uh, and then become a student. <laughs> uh, come on, two minute noodles. <laughs> uh, I had but, kids and uh, a couple of kids and all that sort of stuff. And uh, but in that and and in that journey, I was offered this role as a youth pastor. And um, and we we're engaged in schools. I was doing youth conferences in the city and so on. And um, and and my best mate, actually, who I referred to, Daz Darren McMahon. Um, had come in contact with a national body into life and uh, said, Rick, you should do this in schools, mentor kids at risk in schools. I said, yeah, okay, what do I do? Well, this is it. This is the model. I said, oh, I can do that. Easy. (laughs) And uh, like a lot of things, uh, I I think that passion can push us to something. Mm. And I never had the resource, uh, didn't have the volunteers. Uh, I had a great youth leadership team. We were probably had 100-plus kids every week we're working with. And uh, so we approached a couple of schools. Two schools said yes. Uh, I launched it in our church. I, I think we got 25 volunteers and I raised five grand. And I hired someone yeah, a day a week. Yeah, cool. And did that come about easier than you actually thought? Well, starting something's easy. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, sustaining something's the challenge. Mm, consistency. I think it's easy to start something. And so I ran out of money pretty quick after I hired that person. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but thankfully uh, they felt uh, a burden for it and, um, and stayed on without pay for six months or something. We ended up paying it all back. <laughs> but um, I think that's the challenge, staying and sticking at something. Consistency. You, I, I, you know, you, you – um, I, I think, you know, Planting and, and, and sticking to and committing to something sees you through the tough journey. Yep. It's really easy to start something. It's hard to see something bear fruit and become healthy and whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a great challenge, actually. And sometimes we've got to push through those hard times and seasons. So, uh, yeah, I think we did that for 12, 12 years at yeah. work. And, and all, uh, never on salaries, yeah. uh, all through volunteers. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Well we done. helped Hundreds of kids. So, and also I read like eight years after that you established the City Serve, was it? The, yeah. Um, was it like volunteers around the community and stuff? So yeah. How, it was, was that just off the back of the youth stuff or? Yeah, at the time we were juggling a few things and, um, and City Serve came up. We collaborated with a, a bunch of uh, churches around the region and uh, organization, uh, American-based, uh, Louis Palau, and and uh, he's got a history with the city back in the 70s and back in the day with Billy Graham and uh, came out and, um, and so there was a history with the city and they felt to do something out here and 
So we dialogued a little bit, and I think it was 2013, uh, we did a big festival on the foreshore, but part of their model that we loved was um, the city surf. Well, they called it a season of service, I thought. Can't yeah. call it that. You can't call it that. <laughs> no, no. I thought that's dreadful. We didn't say it like that, actually, because <laughs> Americans would be offended, you know. It's like you can't say it. So we put a lot of thought and planning into this. Uh, but we'd already called the, the festival City Fest. We thought, what about City Surf? Oh, that actually, that sounds pretty good. Uh, they call that everywhere in the world now. Yeah, it fits um, well with Newcastle too. It yeah. does. It, 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 but the thing I liked about it was mobilising uh, volunteers um, – annually for a space of time and so therefore it had a, a level of sustainability about it and yeah i read so that, that so i wasn't sure what that meant what did you mean by mobilizing volunteers yeah so we would work with churches businesses organizations to mobilize them to do projects uh in a season which yep. we, we we call around november uh sometimes it's september october november uh, so it spans out a little bit, just a consolidated period, and we encouraged um, groups, churches, businesses and organisations uh, to find one day to do something in their community. We collaborate with um, local councils and different groups yep. and mobilise them to do one-day projects. Yeah, nice. um, I, I probably one of the catalysts uh, that really put some grunt under that actually was um, uh, Jeff McCloy, actually, when he was Lord Mayor. Okay, yeah. Um, we'd had a guy up here, I facilitate the annual Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, and we had a guy up here, Danny Gugamucci, uh, who spoke what we felt was a, a, a really powerful word about alignment for assignment. So align yourself for the assignment, you know, so there's agreement there and, and momentum. I like that. And Tim Owen was the state member at that time, and uh, he said, Rick, this is great. What are we going to do? I said, well, it just so happens I'm meeting with about 15 people tomorrow. He says, I'm coming. I said, well, there you go, mate. <laughs> Just invite yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> and, uh, and so he, 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 he raised that and we met with Jeff and um, I think it was in 2015 or something. We painted all the surf clubs and yeah. did a whole bunch of things. Uh, we've done hundreds of projects, yeah. So I see a common theme with mm. yourself, like you're a very <laughs> given person. You're like, you like to give back to yeah. the community, like... Was that instilled at a young age? Was your parents religious? Like, how did the Lord come into your life? Yeah, no, they weren't actually. Uh, it, it was when I was a teenager. Mum started going to church, and uh, and then Dad started going. I thought, well, hang on, what's this? I just thought my my perception of church was um, hard seats, old people, <laughs> boring. I don't know how I got the perception. That was just a perception. Yep. I'd never been to church, uh, and then I thought, well, they're getting old. You go to church. <laughs> That's just what happens. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old. Yeah. A lot of things happen when you get old. You don't, you don't remember things. You can't hear things. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so that was um, part of that journey. So, no, I didn't grow up in the church at all. But um, I think, you, you know, uh, I mean, you hear about different conversions and different things. Um, and so for me it became personal when, when people shared with me. So it wasn't until I was, I think, 18. Yep. I started going to church, and that was only because I got caught with a stash. The old man was about to march me down the cop station. <laughs> thought, One or the other, hey? He started sharing, you know, the good news with me, and I thought, well, he's a way out. I, mean, I wasn't stupid. He's <laughs> a way out. <laughs> Smart choice. <laughs> it worked, obviously. Yeah. Well, look, I, uh, yes, um, I, I mean, 
I, the only thing that really changed is I went to church each Sunday and mum and dad had a, a small group in their home, so I went to that as well, couldn't get out of that. Um, but everything else just carried on. But through that journey over the course of 12 months, I really felt it become personal for me. Um, and, um, it, you know, me and my, 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 my uh, brother, um, I mean, he's gone down the business bent and he's been hugely successful, hugely. I'm so proud of him. Um, and then I've gone down this other track. Yeah. And so I just, I felt, I feel called to the city. I feel called, uh, you know, I think if we were to talk about, if we put uh, religion aside, uh, I think that God's intent is that people and cities flourish. <laughs> I think that's the intent of heaven. Mm. And the Lord's prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So therefore what is in heaven should manifest on earth. And what is that? <laughs> well, it's a far better scene than what it is at the moment. Correct. And so we see a whole bunch of different things. So I've probably lent into the poor and the brokenness of, uh, of humanity and, um, and sacrificially because uh, I feel called to. I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I, I think it's part of who you are. You know, some people say if you, if you, you, you should find what you're passionate about and do it. Whatever that is, if it's a business, you should be very passionate and diligent about it and make it work. <laughs> You're not there just for a living. Make a truckload of money mm. and then you're responsible for what you do with it. Correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Well, that's why we wanted to start this, you know, like I obviously have a painting company. It pays the bills. I love it. Yeah. But it's not – it doesn't fulfil me. And as we talked off air before, mm. like this stuff fulfils me. Here in – like yeah. I know you as Rick from Soul Cafe, but I don't know Rick. Yeah. So this is what we want to do is get people's stories, get yeah. to know more where – you know, and this is like – you know, this is a passion. Like this is – you know, that's where where you find that in giving back to the community is like what we share here and – it's um, it's special when you find that. Yeah, I, I think in, in the age of social media, um, it, you know, comparisons become a big deal, uh, and it's a, a fabricated BS world. Uh, when we so. look at others and compare our life to theirs, mm. when we're only social media is a glimpse. It's a highlight reel of someone's life. That's all it is. That's what I say. <laughs> no one put. It's always the grass looks greener <laughs> on the other side. Always. Yeah, yeah. However, no one's going to post up the bad times. You know, the bad things they have to do. Uh, I, their lowest. That's it. Lowest times in life. No one's going to post that. The grass all, is so. greener where you water it. Hundred <laughs> percent. That is correct. Exactly right. <laughs> and I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not posting pictures of myself ironing my shirt. <laughs> Come on! I reckon you should give bed. it a crack. <laughs> Come on! I did. I, I did a couple of them, <laughs> and, and, and I hashtagged it, keeping it real. <laughs> yes, no, I like it. I like it. But, but I, I think that that's one of the detriment. I love that we're globally connected. We're um, social media. We're connected. But the downside is if we haven't got a healthy thought position, if we're not in a healthy place, then we can think that what we're seeing of others is normal and it's not normal. Not at all. (laughs) It's not normal. No, No, that's correct. But that's, I guess, the beauty too of social Mm. media is you can get so much content out there and you can help and inspire other people, you know what I mean, by just telling a story or giving this platform for others to tell their story in hardship times and then, you know. There's a place for it. Absolutely. Exactly right. You know, you could have a thousand listeners and it only touches one. Well, at least it touched that one person and made a difference for them, so. My daughter, uh, Vanessa, she's beautiful and uh, she's got a massive social media following. 
uh, Instagram. She's the Instagram queen. And uh, anyway, she posts up like she's a beautiful mum, got a couple of grandkids, and and uh, beautiful wife, and and uh, it's almost a pin up family in, in in many respects. Anyway, she's staying at our place once, and uh, she posts this beautiful picture of herself on this beach. She hadn't left the bedroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said. I went. In, I said. What is this? This is bull. <laughs> Catfished, yeah. <laughs> just anyway, photoshopped. Well, no, it was true. It was, but it was. A, it wasn't a photo of now. Yeah, okay. It was. It was fun. But in saying that, she she tells a story uh, through her posts, yep. and that's what probably what people gravitate to her for. Yeah. Um, and in that, uh, she's become very transparent as well. Uh, because it's not all mountaintop experiences; it's valleys. No, it, yeah, you're uh, right. You're right. It's deep valleys and dark places. So while we're on the family, um, how did you meet your lovely wife Sue? Well, look, look. Here's a confession. It's probably a couple. Uh, she's the first. She was the first lady I ever met in church, actually. Yeah, and look, to be honest, she didn't really, you know, yeah, no fireworks went off. <laughs> you know, but she did. She pursued me. Does she have the podcast app on her phone? I don't know. Shout out to Sue. I mean, I've shared this on many platforms. Oh, she pursued okay, me. Then. She was relentless and she pursued me. She, she, she. <laughs> it paid off. Uh, uh, our parents and, 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 and her parents become friends as well. And so it was probably a bit of a setup. But um, uh, no, there was a lot of things we fell in love and, and, and a lot of things I loved about her and, and, and she loved about me and. And uh, so we got married very young, actually. I think I was 21. She was 19. Oh, and nice. we, went to, we went to America. We went to Hawaii for our honeymoon. Yeah, wow. And uh, you've got to be 21 to drink there. I think I was under 21, actually. <laughs> anyway, so. Like, How was that? How was Hawaii? Hawaii. Well, it was great. Oh, Hawaii's great. Um, yeah, honeymoons are good. <laughs> and uh, she did lose her engagement ring on, on Waikiki Beach. I was Ooh. a bit filthy about that. Yeah. Never found it. Damn. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, I think we're celebrating 30 years this year. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, 30 years in October. What's the secret? Communication? Uh, well, that's what the experts would say. And no it's social probably, media? It's probably what's true. Uh, well, commitment to one another. Mm. You know, it's, it's yeah, it is communication. It's a lot of things. It's commitment. It's sticking things through. It's uh, There's been difficult times. We've had hardships, um, you know, with our kids and... And, and, and a whole bunch of different things. Mm. Um, but, you, you, you know, it's, look, it's not the common story uh, that couples stay together and, uh, you know, acknowledge that there are hardships and, and things do fall apart. Uh, but some things are in our control and if we can prevent them falling apart, we should. <laughs> yeah, you should put the work in 100% and it, communicate. It, 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 it's, like yeah. you said, water the grass that's water on your grass, side. Water the grass, water the grass. <laughs> buy those flowers. Even though you watch them wither and die in that vase, <laughs> buy the flowers. I know it makes no sense to us fellas. <laughs> buy a plant, yes, but you've got to make sure it works. <laughs> but watching those flowers die in front of you, thought, I just spent 35 bucks on that. <laughs> Three days later, they're just wilting everywhere. But it works. It definitely works. <laughs> For sure. So in 2014, you were named Newcastle no. Citizen of the Year. Yeah, right. How's the that? Man. Yeah, it's a great privilege, great honour. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, you don't do anything for those sort of things. Um, no, but it's good to, it's you know, good. 
It's funny. It's funny. Uh, uh, I, I was interviewed um, by Stephen Kim. Um, sorry, no, it was yeah Stephen Kim on uh, Triple M um, at that time, and um, and Steve asked me the question. So what did you get? What did you get? I said I got an A4 certificate. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing. He says you're joking. He said, you didn't get a medal you could walk around with around the city? I said, no. I said, look, I, I would have been happy with free parking, <laughs> free public transport, and maybe just, just wipe the rates bill on my house. <laughs> but no, great privilege. Um, and uh, I think it's really important, actually, the, the key message is we're not islands. Everything that uh, has helped make things happen for me, it's not been me. There's always great people around us. Uh, the work at Seoul, I mean, we've got 185 volunteers and a, a huge, tremendous amount of community support. So it's not me. Um, and, and whilst you make the right decisions as, as best you can in the journey, uh, I think I'm always, and, and, and most of us are well aware that actually the person that volunteers one shift a fortnight on a Saturday for breakfast is just as valuable as those are at the top. In fact, they don't get the accolades, but they contribute the good work to get the accolades. Um, so I, I, in, in all my life I've already had, you know, I've been fortunate. I've had good people hang around and stay around and, and to help make things happen. Yeah, a good network of people. Mm. So oh, nice. that was my next um, topic to go on to. So mm. the Soul Cafe, I, yeah. I do remember when I first started volunteering there and I remember you telling me a story with how you fell into it, like you were just yeah, helping right. a mate out. Yes. Was that correct? And then you ended up running the place. Like, Tell us a little bit about, about that story. Yeah, I was doing other things in the city and uh, one of my best mates um, was leading uh, the church and the charity and... Uh, just went through hardship with his marriage and can you help me out for a few months? I said, mate, I'm, I'm busy, mate. I've got two days spare tops. And that was five years, five and a bit years ago now. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the tragedy of it was that his, his marriage broke down and then they asked us to stay for 12 months and then asked us to stay. Um, so it was never an aspiration to do this. And I think that's really important for listeners too is that you can have goals and aspirations, um, but it doesn't always work out how you think it might in your mind. Um, doors open up and opportunities uh, open up, and so if there's a sense of peace moving into them, just keep going. And for us and, 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 and my wife Sue, um, you know, just the type of church that it was and its expression in the community is like, yeah, of course, this is great. Um, so we, 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 we felt, yeah, yeah, now let's keep going. So so was it uh, just a church or was like when you first walked in, what, like did you still mm. help the, yeah. like, you know, homeless people and stuff out? Like um, or was it just a, a single church when you first got there? Yeah, so so the, the, the makeup is, is, is there's a church, Life Church, and the charitable arm of that church is, it's called Life Shapers, but it's, it's called face uh, at public soul cafe yeah. and so that was always happening both of them so I picked it all up and uh, so the church but it's two separate entities but the same I, I, I lead both of them entities yeah, right. uh, and organizations and there was great hardship in it all too I mean when um, you know a marriage breakdown and all sorts of you know those sort of things impact the thing 
um, and and for somebody to be taken out as quick as as, as that happened is, is juggling. So we've, uh, it'd be fair to say the first um, two to three years was very hard, very difficult. I mean, I re- I remember uh, the church financially week to week and the charity month to month. Uh, And so when you lead something, you carry the weight and the burden of that. I think it's really important that you don't distribute that to everyone. Um, And so what year did you come in, Mark? Um, 2018. Okay. At some stage. So we're probably on the heels of that, but um, very few, if any, would have realised we're under financial pressure. (laughs) Um, Because we felt a conviction to do what we can for, for who we can. Uh, the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. And um, I, I guess my interpretation of, um, of, of, of the Bible is that Jesus lent into the places of brokenness, those that were marginalised, those that were poor, those that were afflicted. Um, that's where he lent towards. <laughs> and so I think that there's something over the, the church and the charity for that. And so we've embraced that. Uh, it wasn't something that I brought. It was something that was there, and uh, and we've made a few good decisions. We went, we changed the models into a volunteer based model, mm. and um, and we've been very very fortunate. We've probably made some good decisions, but we've been very fortunate for the tremendous community support and the culture we've built um, has has been tremendous. So um, it's a great privilege to work with the people we work with. Mm. On that topic, I'd yeah, I'd personally like to. To thank you, I was. I think I started to volunteer. Yeah, well, I think it was 2018, and I was um, at the like pretty much at the death of my drug addiction at the time, and I was like yep. really, really desperate. And like you said about something's come over me, and like I wanted to do something to esteem myself. And um, I sent a message out to on social media actually, and someone, right. a lot of people said, you know, go volunteer at Soul Cafe. I just wanted to – I had five months to wait to get into rehab yeah. and I wanted to do something to try to keep me on the straight and narrow and not relapse before yeah. going away and I come out and I signed up and, um, yeah, it's like two years later and, like, I helped paint yeah. paint the place and, you know, build a friendship over – and, like, the feeling that I get when I do walk out of that kitchen and, and the friendships that I've made since being there, it, it's priceless, you know, especially for someone like me. Like I, I like to have structure in my life and I like to esteem myself through doing esteemable things and your organisation, I don't think you realise how priceless mm. it is to people, especially from a recovering drug addict. Like it keeps me on track, you know, like and I can't thank you enough for what you do and the mm. opportunities that you do give people like myself. So like, yeah, I wanted to personally thank you for yeah. that because it's it's yeah, pretty special. I appreciate that. Uh, I love hearing those stories, Mark. Uh, I, 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 and I, I, there's across the landscape of what we do, I see people, they're walking miracles to me because I, I know part of what they've overcome. And when you see somebody who's overcome something, it instills you in, in, in you there's hope for everyone. Mm. And I think that's really important. And, and we say to uh, people in our teams, don't, don't ever judge somebody by the way they look, by the way they smell, <laughs> by the way they behave. When somebody has an addiction, they become someone they're not. Mm, that's correct. And never judge them. <laughs> Um, and so, so being able to embrace people on that journey and, and provide them. But I, I think there's a powerful dynamic that you've encountered too, though, is, is when we give away from ourselves. Mm. 
Uh, That's very powerful. Uh, When there's nothing in it for you, but it benefits someone else, it does actually help you. It does. (laughs) I I was told I can only keep what I've got by giving it away. And I like to live by that now. Very powerful. I've got a life beyond my wildest dreams two years into recovery. So I try to give away as much as I can to keep that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's very powerful. I love. I greatly appreciate you coming, pimping up the joint with a, a fresh paint job. I tell you what, uh, brush with the best uh, MVR painting. Uh, plugging they, it. He's <laughs> plugging it tonight. I like so, um, for the people listening, then, uh, how do they, you know, get in touch with you guys to volunteer? Yeah, I mean, the best place to our website. Um, just hop on there, and there's an online application they yep. can download. Um, yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, so what's that, Soul Cafe? Soulcafe.org.au. Yeah, okay, there you go, people. Uh, direct messages through Facebook, uh, which is Soul Cafe. <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. We'll put a link in the, po- in the uh, post anyway. Yeah, if you Google Soul Cafe, you'll get us. So how has um, COVID affected you with uh, helping out the, the homeless and the needed? Yeah, good question, Josh. Uh, I mean, a number of, of works similar to ours, which closing down, uh, I'd just flown back into the country, actually, um, in early March. I had commitments in England and then in Myanmar and flown back. So I went into quarantine. It's like not isolation, it's like quarantine. <laughs> and I did what the government said, <laughs> quarantined. And <Melbourne>. so <laughs> uh, if Melbourne did that, that'd be right by yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, so we're, I was dialoguing uh, Zoom and stuff like that with the team and, uh, yeah, contemplating different things. And, and But the, you know, I think in our culture, uh, uh, so I said, no, we're not closing down. No, we're going to reinvent. We've got to adapt. We've got to be mobile. You know, we've got to agile and, and move on our feet. And um, uh, what, what's the um, – I'm just trying to think of a, a, a beatitude. Uh, blessed uh, I added on. I mean, I create scriptures. Uh, <laughs> blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. And so it's about carrying a level of flexibility in, in what we do. And so the guys, we reformatted. We went to street service, uh, serving hot meals and takeaway uh, frozen meals and uh, takeaway breakfast packs. But we, we, we wanted to reinforce what the government was saying, so we tried to educate people. And as most of us, we're a little bit sceptical at the start, really. It's fair income. <laughs> yeah, it sort of, you know, just bang. You know, all of a sudden it just went from, from something spreading to, all right, bang, yeah. we're shutting everything down. And and some of our guests are extremely vulnerable. It's like, ah, the government's trying to do something. You know, it's like... Yeah, there's sceptical people out yeah. there, yeah, for sure. And so part of it was educating people what to do. We're trying to, oh, don't come as often as you have to, you know, all that sort of stuff. But we also, in that journey, opened up a pantry. We knew that this pandemic was going to affect more people than we would normally see. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, so those that are affected by uh, unemployment and, and so on, that are on the borderline. And so we opened up, I think we do three open services of uh, pantry now where we we access um, goods, um, produce and long-life goods and so on. And we open up at different times knowing that there was a different demographic. I think we're averaging... 250 hampers a week just going through that. Yeah, right. Well done. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to adapt knowing this. And, but we've also been collaborating and communicating with many other works around the city as well, trying to keep our finger on the pulse. Yeah. yeah. Our, our guys have been brilliant. Uh, many of our volunteers are, have been in that vulnerable place where they've had to self-isolate as well. Mm. Yep. Um, so we've 
What, yeah, I noticed um, like Newey Burger Co. You know, yeah. they were doing a lot yeah. of um, you know free soups and that sort of thing as well at that time. So yeah, I mean Newey Burger Co. have been uh, uh, delivering uh, soup to us, I think every Monday for quite a long time. Mm. And to their credit, they they reshaped. They were they 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 were nimble and 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 moved with their business, uh, as were a number of other businesses in the city, and and moved to that model, pay it forward model, and. I, I think, to their credit, it's the guys like Newey Burger Cow and others that actually alleviate a lot of pressure on some of the charities that are out there then. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. And so hats off to, to that business community that that didn't – I mean, many had to close down. Unfortunately, but yes. But others, others reshaped and modified their business model and they found a, a, a real niche in that and, and they pushed through and flourished through that. Uh, so we're really thankful, all of us in the in 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 that work, community based work. We're very thankful, actually, um, that those guys chipped in. Oh, definitely, it all helps bring Newcastle together, together. and help helps everyone survive. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're in. I mean, the catch cry of, the, uh, of this pandemic: we're in it together. Well, yeah, we are, and we're in it together before the pandemic. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. We are. This has just brought together. us. Brought us together a yeah. little bit tighter. So, and Absolutely. and even that Newey Burger Co. I feel like they've got a lot of leverage on social media because all the other smaller businesses that are going to them with free product yep. to distribute out to Newcastle people, it's quite nice to see. That's awesome. That's it inspirational. Is. Absolutely. All right, we'll do the three before you flee. So I've got three, uh, three questions to ask you and, okay. um, before before you get going. So um, the first one is, what motivates you to wake up in the morning, like? What's your main motivation? Apart from the alarm. <laughs> and Sue. Uh, that's, a <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. What motivates me to get up each morning? I, I feel there's purpose on my life. I feel, I feel I'm, I'm called to things beyond my own comfort. And largely that involves, of course, the Lord, but others. Um. Yeah, so there's a conviction that rests there. It's like I've got to get up. Now, it's not to say I don't struggle to get up on sun mornings. <laughs> I mean, we all go through challenges. There's times where you have ups and downs and there's tough journeys in every journey uh, and there's times I'd like to lay in bed or there's times I'd, I'd rather lay in bed. Uh, long days, long nights, uh, endless days, no days off, uh, but I feel called. Do you feel, nice. for me, them mornings when, like, I... I don't feel like getting up and I do, yeah. usually the magic happens on them days. Do you feel that? Like, you know, the days that you don't want to get yeah. out of bed or you don't want to go to a place and you go there, something, you, you, there's a little, usually a little bit of gold in that. Um, yeah, it's good, Mark. I, I think we should live with an anticipation good things are going to happen and I believe we're created to produce and accomplish things. Mm. <laughs> I think that's in our DNA. That is. Um, and so I... I, I, I um, absolutely believe that we should anticipate good things are going to happen mm. <laughs> because then you're looking for them. That's true. Manifest. And sometimes they're very, very small, that's right. uh, but it all helps. Mm. Got to be present to be able to take them on board, that's for sure. Yeah. I had one of those mornings this morning, though, actually, and the <laughs> alarm went off and I was like, oh, I don't want to get up. And then I just went straight to social media and I seen Mark's story and it was like 350 yeah. up and at it and I'm like... Yeah, no, I'm getting yeah. up, I'm getting up, you know. He, he held me accountable. It was good. Yeah, so. Without even knowing it. Yeah. All right, the next one. What legacy do you want to leave? Yeah, I, I probably don't think about that much at all, actually. I don't t tend to think about legacy. Uh, 
Um, I'm too young. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's a good question. And, and to be honest, I don't think about it. Uh, I mean, I'm 51 um, and I feel I've got another good 20 years of productivity in my life at least. I'll, I'll reword that better. What legacy do you want to be known for? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think somebody who loves the Lord and and the city prospered because I was there. Yeah. I think you're on your I'll way be, to that. I agree. Or if not already there. <laughs> I'll definitely vote for you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, what's next for Rick? What's next for you, mate? <laughs> You'd be almost up to that three years moving on. Uh, that, well, actually, that's a, good, <laughs> that's a good point, actually. That's a good point. When I went into youth pastor, I said to the guy who uh, employed me, my pastor, Keith Edwards, I said, I'll give you five years straight up because I knew that was a cycle. Yep. And I, I think one of the challenges in, 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 in our brokenness, perhaps, um, we've got to break cycles. We've got to identify what are the cycles in our life and what's good and what's bad. Yep. And we've got to break them. And so committing to something, and so I knew, uh, statistics told me, research says that anything under three years is nothing. <laughs> you know, it, it, you, you're really just leaning off the previous leader and so therefore nothing's going to prosper from that. And so I committed five years. So I think for our listeners, if, you got to, if you're in a cycle, you've got to break it and you've got to commit and be accountable for that. So the next thing, well, we're, we're, um, uh, we're in the process of launching something now. It's called Hello Hunter, um, and that's probably the next um, six to 12 months in, in the making. Uh, I, I feel uh, to narrow down my focus and um, pour my energy for the next 10 years into the city, and so I may um, uh, reposition and shed some responsibilities to fully focus on that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's going to be anything new at all. Actually, I feel I'm in the vein of strength. Uh, and where I should be, uh, and I'll probably narrow that. And, um, yeah, I feel uh, – and we all will live, live with uh, different aspirations and dreams. I'm not a goal-orientated person, um, but I do know that there is a preferred future, and so we just try to seek that out. And um, and that comes in our moving. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you don't get out of bed <laughs> – and you wonder about what tomorrow will look like, it'll look the same as it, it, it did when you don't get out of bed. That's right. So it's in our moving things, shape and form. And so, uh, so I'm a big believer of that. Uh, you know, we see out the har- – uh, well, off the, off the um, coast there, the ships. And at anchor, you're useless. A ship was never created to revolve around an anchor line. Mm. It was created to move. That's true. <laughs> and when it's moving, it can be redirected. And so that would be my encouragement to listeners – if you're not moving, get moving. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, just move forward and, and yeah. change that. You know, if you want a different path, you only have to change it by five degrees, you know. Exactly. By five degrees in a month, you know, sure, there's not much separation on that path, but over two, three years, there's so much more well, separation. Well, you've seen that, Josh. It, 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 when you move, something happens. Yep. Yeah. And largely that comes by our own decisions That's and right. our own choices. And, of course, we wrap around people that are going to inspire us and challenge us and make us accountable but in the end, they're not going to make you move. They're not making the decision for you to get out of bed. No, that's right. Uh, they're not making that. De- they're not making the decision late at night whether you challenge to go into this or go into that. Uh, you're making that decision. Yeah, something I heard the other day. No one's coming to help you. You're here to help yourself, really. So. Yeah. Uh, 
Agree. No worries, mate. We might wrap it up there. Um, yeah, I'd like to say a massive th- thanks for jumping on. I really appreciate <laughs> it. It's a privilege to be in the same room as you. And um, on that note, on behalf of Top Deck Podcast and MVR Payton, we would like to donate $200 to, to Soul Cafe. Soul yeah. Cafe and, um, awesome. you know, just to help out and to say thank you for what you do for the Newcastle community. And, you know, it's a small thing from us, but it goes a long way out there. So we'd mm. like to donate that. So you have to give us some details how we can do that so once again <laughs> thanks for jumping on mate we really appreciate it uh mark josh awesome being with you guys no, pleasure top, man thank you so um i probably best plug the uh details for donations on here if you like yeah look you can go to our website uh soulcafe.org.au and uh through there there's donation links uh, you can direct deposit or go through a giving link it's all tax deductible uh, uh we say that soul cafe is a community response to community needs and uh, it's funded through community generosity and we're totally thankful and grateful to uh, this is a great place we live man beautiful part of the world say it every morning beautiful part of the world it's the best place in the world mate I, I remember surfing as a young kid down south Newcastle beach a young rat bag was sitting out there south Newcastle waiting for sets to come in I remember saying to my good mates then I love this joint I'm going to grow up here I'm going to get married here I'm going to have kids here and I'm going to die here <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's fucking, it's a brilliant spot. It is. It's and it's spot. changed. It's changed a lot in the last 20 years, you know. When my nan it was has. in Carrington coming here and the, you had all the old bloody wooden bridge. Yeah, the old wooden bridge in Carrington, <laughs> but then the old tram lines over there where Honeysuckle is now, you know. So much has changed in 20 all the years. Yeah. Well, back then, I mean, over here, you couldn't give a houseway over here. Now they're worth a fortune. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We are talking about that earlier. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. crazy. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Great being with you guys. Well done. All the best, mate. Thank you. See you guys. See ya.